0: On this episode of of Dose, the comeback for the comeback for the comeback for the comeback episode. I feel like we say that every single time now, Dave, because it takes <laughs> us nine and a half months to do another episode. But Tune we're here in again. next
1: time for our next comeback episode.
0: Yeah, seriously. We're here again. And we have another full slate. We talk about NCAA football coming back. EA Sports has brought them back. I'm hype. David's a Debbie Downer. We talk <laughs> yeah, about Attack on Titan ending their manga this summer. The anime's on its final season. Talk about that and what we think the anime should do at this point. Talk about um, Harvard Astrology Chair. Says the aliens visited us in 2017. And there's a lot of fun stuff about that. If you haven't paid attention to aliens yet, let's start doing it, people. We talk about the Brooklyn Nets and how they hate defense. We talk about the Sean Watson and his whole entire trade trilogy or saga, whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't know why I trolled you. I've been stuck on Star Wars. Everything's a trilogy there. <laughs> yeah, really? And then we talk about the Jets because we're fanboy Jets and we're hopeful and we're going to get our hearts ripped out because that's the Jets. So again, without any further ado, hope everyone enjoys the show. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, If you've been listening for a little while, you know what, what's up. the Dose, we're here whenever we damn well please. It's a thing. I don't have a <laughs> webcam, though. He doesn't, so we're not doing a... There's going to be no video for this one. It's just going to be only audio. Um, we're going to save the world of My Ugly Bug, but we also don't give the world the update on David's hair, which is really, really sad. David?
1: I mean... It's slightly longer than it was last time.
0: So anyway, Dave, how are you? How's everything going? How's your life? Uh, Last time we talked, the Nets didn't have a big three. The Jets didn't have a head coach. The Mets were in a team of sexual predators. What's going on? Yeah, I know. There was a lot that went on since we last had the show. Uh,
1: Nothing much. Just growing out my hair and working.
0: That's all I'm doing. So, you know, we talk, you play, you play in a cornhole league, don't you? I don't think people know that about you.
1: Yes, I do. I play every Wednesday. Do you suck? I'm not great. (laughs) But it's also because the people that go and play, play a lot. (laughs) They play. I don't know if anyone listening plays a lot of cornhole. And if you do, you're probably really good. And it's, it's scary to witness
0: so do you guys play like by like the espn cornhole championships rules and everything like that because cornholes become a thing espn every once in a while you see like the cornhole championships of america just pop up randomly on espn yeah
1: we i mean we don't make it that serious right now we're using uh it's called score holio it's an app to keep track of your cornhole scores and they have like a tv it's actually a nice setup but we're doing a round robin thing and uh, we do you know the rules of cornhole but it's it's laid back you they drink and you play and i was gonna say is it,
0: is it a beer in hand league
1: no you don't have to have a beer in hand okay. but you can't have a beer in hand in fact they actually have a little stands where you can put your beer as well
0: very nice so do does would anyone listening to the podcast know who your teammate is who's on your team
1: uh uh probably i have john John uh, who? Kyle, then Natoli. Why would I, I'm i not giving too many last. No, I can't. I mean, we. Natoli,
0: Kyle Burns, and Alex Schultz. Very nice. Well, we've had Kyle Burns has been on the Sports Opinions podcast. So if you've listened yes, to yeah. that, you know who Kyle is. But that's cool. They're friends of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, so anything else new with you, Dave? How's work? How's life? How's, <coughs> you know, how's any, any snow? Did you guys get destroyed like we did in New York? We got about Jersey?
1: three inches. That's all we got. And I'm perfectly fine with it.
0: Take your three and add anywhere from like 15 to 18 and you got what we got in Poughkeepsie. It's miserable. Yeah, I don't want to. I I really don't. Yeah. Updates on me. So I finally finished the Fate of the Jedi book series, all nine books. It was fantastic. And I let out a tweet to give the author some props. Unfortunately, um, Aaron um, Alston, who is one of the authors, passed away in 2014. That's- but two other ones, um, and Aaron Alston wrote a ton of um, extended Universal legends Star Wars books. Mm-hmm. But um, Troy Denning and Christy Golden are still around, still doing their thing. And Christy Golden liked my tweet, so how it's cool awesome that! That's sweet, and she's one of the major authors that has wrote a ton of Star Wars stuff. And I'm pretty sure. You know, her vision is so good. Disney's going to grab her because she's one of the people that built the Star Wars universe that fans like. So they would be smart to grab her. Yeah. But yeah, that's my biggest life achievement right now. And I'm currently listening to uh Jordan Peterson's uh Twelve Rules of Life. So that's, that's sweet. That's so, a good time. Oh my God, just listening to a ton of stuff. And I have Dune waiting in the outskirts. So switching back and forth. My life is hectic as always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's expected. But anyway, so let's jump into our meat and potatoes of this show. Dave, we are starting off with some hype.
1: (laughs) Well, yes, some hype, but I'm also going to be a bit of a Debbie Downer as well. So just today, the day that we are recording, February 2nd of 2021, EA put out a tweet saying you're waiting has accomplished you. You've waited long enough.
0: If you were a true believer, the if whole time. If you were time, a true something believer,
1: like something. Yeah, NCAA football is coming back to be played on Xbox, PS five, and probably PC as well. Because why wouldn't they?
0: Now, poor, poor Switch.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I am hyped because I, I do love the NCAA football games. But the state of Madden and of EA draws me back a little bit from the hype. I'm going to need to see what is in the game and see if they're still using Frostbite as an engine.
0: Now, explain to me, explain not to me, to everybody, what you are currently doing to um, basically fill the need for NCAA football in your life currently. So
1: currently, (laughs) I am playing what is basically a souped up NCAA football 14 on my PC on my very new PC. And it's called college football revamped. It's done by a bunch of guys in the, in the NCAA community. They're awesome. Uh, They put this whole thing together. It's all the uniforms, all the ESPN logos, everything looks nice The dynasty. It's like the 2020 season, every single, uh, everyone on the roster is actually in college football. (laughs) Like like It's the full rosters, everything. And they update it too. And in fact, they're still updating it. They're trying to find a way to get the uh, the college football playoffs in there now. But I love it. It's so much fun, and you could do it on an Xbox and a P- uh, PS3 as well if you have the game. Still, it's not entirely difficult, and I I just love doing it because it's it makes me feel good to play a football game again.
0: <laughs> so everybody, please don't be a tattletale. Don't tell on David because that would be really mean of you. What are you talking about, Tommy? For what? Exactly. Anyway, so what I want from this, and I explained this already in the group of our friends, I don't give a damn about anything else unless they, you know, if they give me a dynasty mode, they can do whatever they want. They can bring their stupid ultimate team for Madden. They can do, uh, you know, I don't need any coordinators. I don't care who the head coach is, to be quite honest. I just want dynasty mode. If you can give me dynasty mode, what did I say? I said, dynasty mode, a proper triple option and inaccurate quarterbacks. That's all I need because that's college football. If you can give me that and I could sit there and I can take Rutgers and make them into a powerhouse just to switch and go and do UTEP and make UTEP a power, I don't care. I just like making small schools that suck get good. And dynasty mode was the funnest way to do that. That's all I need, Dave. And I,
1: I listen, know. I completely understand you. I completely agree for the most part. My whole thing is, is if they care about this dynasty mode as much as EA has cared about franchise and Madden, you may think you want it. <laughs> you may think you want it. But once you start playing the game after like maybe a month, I'll give it a month. You'll be like, why am I playing this nonsense? And see, and that, that, that's what worries me. Like I said, I'm very hype. I love the college football games. I love the dynasty mode. It's a ton of fun right now. I'm playing as air force and I'm trying to make them good. But we have to see what happens. They said two to three years, so they're going to trickle out things. You never know. It could be another team in EA that has a lot more leniency saying, oh, we're jumping back into NCAA football. Let's make this game good.
0: I mean, Dave, if they have a good Tiny Turtles logo and they can make, you can make the Trenton Tiny Turtles, is that? do you need anything else really?
1: Well, I mean, I'm assuming they would come back with Team Builder. I mean, why wouldn't you put Team Builder back? So you could do that online or connect it to the new NCAA game and make your own team.
0: And I really believe right now, I feel like the biggest hitch and, you know, it's never, so in terms of graphic wise, they've always basically taken the year before is Madden and use their graphics. So it's not the current Madden updated. It's the year before that Madden. So it's like good graphics, not great. That's the way NCAA games have always been. They've been this step back in terms of quality. Um. What I think is holding up now is they probably are really trying to hash out the words and the legalese of a deal to get the players paid on their likeness because players in college can now be paid on their likeness, but they're technically not supposed to use the school to get themselves paid. They're not supposed to directly affiliate themselves to the school. So. In order for this to come back, there has to be an agreement there. And since yes. players can get paid, there has to be leniency. And there's going to be a lot of gymnastics legally. And that's probably what's holding them up in the two to three years. I don't think it's graphics-wise. I don't think it's you know anything like that. It's going to be, okay, are we going to put players' names in here? Do we have to put every single player's name in here? Do we only going to put the stars in here? How much are they going to get paid per sold copy? What is their revenue share? Because yeah. we're getting into revenue sharing here with all these guys, especially the big names that come out.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. That's probably a ton of what they're doing right now. And honestly, good for them. I just want a good game. I <laughs> that, 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 genuinely, I just want a good game. And that that's that's why I'm playing NCAA 14 right now, basically like that's why I'm probably going to end up getting all pro football 2 K eight. I just want a very good football game,
0: which we have been deprived of for a long time. But speaking yeah. of depravity, Dave, we're about to be deprived of easily, easily one of the best series of all time attack on Titan. Uh, I think is, you know, you can't argue that it came in with the bang and, unlike a lot of other manga, a lot of other anime that come in with this big bang that completely fizzle out and lose their way attack on Titan has found a way to stay. And even though the story has evolved to go from being this big, wow, awesome fights all the time to a very mm-hmm. political type of manga. Mm-hmm. It's been fantastic. And it's the manga's finally coming to an end this summer. The anime is on its way out. It's having its final season. Um, Dave, I really think that they should pull the plug on the final season of the anime. See the way the manga ends and see if they can really try to coordinate this better.
1: Yeah, I mean, they could. Unfortunately, I haven't kept up with Attack on Titan as much as I should have. In fact, I just started reading the manga again just to catch up with everything, especially since it's going to end soon. Yep. And honestly, it's, just reading it again reminds me of how good it is. <laughs> and I, I can I can somewhat agree that maybe they should hesitate a little bit but they already made the commitment to say this is the final season that's it we're going to end it here and i don't disagree maybe maybe i don't think any fans movie. will be mad i don't at them. know
0: i don't think yeah. any fans will be mad at them if they because you know what i think they initially did it thinking that the manga was going to go on longer and it's like okay let's end our role here and let them go but now that it's over and we're going to get a conclusion of the battle between marley and eldia mm-hmm. uh, we need to dial up. We need to see that in anime form because the anime has <laughs> been just as good as the manga. And it's another rare thing that many things don't capture. So uh, we'd be robbed if they don't do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they are going to end the anime and then the manga is going to end. We're, it's it's going to be good either way. That's
0: my whole thing. I yeah. feel
1: like it's going to be good either way. So I can't entirely complain.
0: So are we going to see because one of the things I think Attack on Titan definitely spread itself apart is we've never seen anything truly like it. A lot of manga anime, you can definitely mm-hmm. point to things that are almost exactly like them mm-hmm. that they took influences from. And they can still be great, even though the influences are from there. But AOT has kind of been its own baby. Mm-hmm. What do we think? Are we going to get a lot of imitations here or, we, or is this going to kind of be something we wait 10 to 20 years before someone even tries to? Because it's been a masterpiece, Dave. I mean, just the, the concept of being
1: put in situations where any type of victory any type of hope seems lost. And then something happens where there might be a slim chance of hope and there's a big mystery. We, we've seen like we'll see that in MAGA again, 100 percent. It's just a way that it's written. Attack on Titan, the way that's written, and honestly, how beautiful the anime was when it first came out. Like, the animation was incredible.
0: And the theme songs exactly so good.
1: When it first came out, the animation was so damn good that it made everyone watch at least the first episode. Mm -hmm. And that's what really put it apart from other anime. It's just, this is beautiful. You should at least watch the first episode. And it's the same thing that basically got people into Demon Slayer at first like Demon Slayer has a different st- style of animation style of drawing so that it just looks gorgeous when you watch like an episode of it.
0: Now, Dave, I don't know how far you've completely gotten into it, but I'm going to kind of do a spoiler without a true spoiler. That's fine. Um, For me, at least. In terms of, and I'm warning people, it's a spoiler without a true spoiler. I'm not going to name names. I'm going to make it pretty vague, but you don't often see what Attack on Titan did where they've introduced us to a group of protagonists in the Survey Corps. And pretty much Aaron Yeager is the main guy, but there's equal footing with Mikasa and, um, and uh, what do you call Armin. Armin Armin? Yeah. And a lot of people in there that they introduce you to mm-hmm. the way that it turns in the second half, I want to say, or maybe the later part of the second half of the manga where one of those main protagonists becomes the main antagonist that, and now you have, you're fighting, you're basically watching a three to four front battle that occurs because one of the main protagonists becomes an antagonist on top of the already. It's like, there's a whole bunch of things and it's so geopolitical and it's so kind of true to life where there's never one clear cut enemy. There's never one clear cut motive, one clear cut. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone kind of has their own concept of what's good and what's good, what's wrong, what's evil. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And you know, it's a sophisticated manga, but they do it in such a good way where there's enough gore to keep the child and you happy too.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's basically what it is. I don't know, I listen, if you're into anime, you probably like Attack on Titan. I haven't that's one anime that I haven't seen and most people diss whenever I see like anything about anime. They'll 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 make fun of Dragon Ball Z, they'll make fun of Naruto, they'll make fun of everything except for like Attack on Titan. If you most see a
0: Survey Corps logo anywhere, you're like hell yeah, badass. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Most of the time, people just don't make fun of it because they know it's good. <laughs> and and
0: there, there's no reason to really make fun of it at all. No, no, there is not, Dave. So let's uh, let's Stop. I'm hoping that they pull the plug. You're probably right. They're not going to pull the plug on the final no. season. But I'm I'm waiting because I I have on my phone. I have an app that I, I read it on and I wait with bated breath every time when I see the little new logo in there and I just right away, I don't care where I am. I open it up and it's like, I'll ignore my kids. I'll be like, I okay, take care of yourselves. I got to read this, but, <laughs> but no, that, that's, that's a lie. Please don't take my kids away. I love them very much, but, but okay, Dave, let's go on to something else before I, uh, all
1: right. I, so I, something else that's really <laughs> mystifying. Like what you just said, uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to move on to something that we have both heard of recently. And the fact of the matter is, is that there are things that people aren't talking about that they should be talking about. That's mainly what this topic is going to be. Now, I feel like you actually have it a little wrong, Alex, because I heard more about this. Okay. So in 2017, one of our, uh, I'm going to say telescopes, I can't remember the name, uh, more like observatory, but mm-hmm. it had caught something basically coming, flinging off the sun. Yeah. That wasn't exactly a comet. It didn't have a comet's tail, and it didn't seem like any kind of rock, and it was very shiny. We have no idea what it was. It didn't seem to be moving based on the physics of what we know. Yep, and was all propulsion off the sun. Exactly. Now, uh, a Harvard astrophysicist has said, listen, this could be one of two things, or one of a couple of things. But one, it could be extraterrestrial. We have no idea. Because this is something we haven't seen before. Or two, we could just have our physics wrong on Earth. And maybe it's, maybe we just don't know why it's moving the way it is. Now, we have seen something that wasn't a comet or a rock like this before, but we managed to recognize it was one of, our, one of the things that we put up before. It was one of our space junk. But this seemed to be space junk that we have never seen before. And I've only heard this in certain areas. I haven't really seen this on Twitter or anywhere else. And maybe that's just me not in the right circles. But I feel like something like this should be really talked about a lot because let's say it's not aliens. Let's go off that, even though we like talking about that. Let's say it's not. Let's say we have our physics wrong. That says a lot for us. That that says a lot for science. That makes science a lot more fun, honestly, to me, because mm-hmm. there's so much more to explore and so much more to find out. Now, uh, give me your take on this, because I, I know you, uh, you kind of put it in here as if it was mainly, I, I'm going to go off the alien path. Let's go off the alien path and say, this is something fun that we should talk about and figure out.
0: Yep. I'm actually going to unpack both of yours because I didn't hear about the physics side and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So if this is aliens, As a human race, especially as Americans, we need to really start paying attention to this because this is now within the last two years of like the fifth occurrence, of basically confirmation of aliens, confirmation of being visited constantly over the last 20 years Mm -hmm. with the Pentagon opening things up with. Um, The Senate and Marco Rubio leading the way. They're basically making demands on every single major intelligence organization that has to release everything on extraterrestrial life. The Pentagon's already planning on releasing a ton of this. Mm -hmm. And now it's being forced. Why the hell are we forcing our intelligence agencies to do this? It makes no sense to bring this upon a population in America that is already going, lack of a better terms, batshit. (laughs) <laughs> we, are, we are sitting inside in a pandemic going nuts. We absolutely hate each other. So let's now let everybody know that aliens are going to come and fuck us up. Like, why are we doing this Dave? <laughs> like there, there has to be a reason for it. If it is aliens and if they did probe us again in 2017 and came off the sun in an irregular pattern, number one, they can go near the sun and not get burned and die. And withstand the heat and the pressure that we know exists and the extremely strong gravitational pull of the sun. That's number one. That's yep. scary as hell. Number two, they're just probing. And what do we do militarily when we're planning something? We send scouts. We do recon. We constantly look. We see what their defenses are. We plan ahead. What I've seen, Dave, and what we've heard, we talked about basically how their ships show up in the middle of our top secret dogfight training areas that nobody knows, just kind of sit in the middle, float around a few times in weird ways, taunt our shit, our planes, mm-hmm. basically say, checkmate to everything you idiots know. Don't try a thing. And they leave. And now this, if it is aliens, this needs to be the biggest story, not Donald Trump, not Joe Biden, not our Senate, not um, Mayanar right now causing a coup d'etat. All of our little human crap going on on our little anthill should probably stop. And we should probably come together for five minutes to go. Who cares? Unless the lizard people really are leading us and they're about to just pop up and go, hi, guys. That's about it. Like We could be screwed as we know it if we don't start paying attention to this. Your second point, if this is just physics, God, we have a lot to go through. That means that so many guys not necessarily were wrong, but what they believed, we'd have to erase all of our laws on physics. If that is the case, we have a few physics laws. They probably aren't real. We'd have to reconsider gravity a hundred percent and what it is. It would be probably the most groundbreaking astronomical thing our scientists have had to deal with in since we figured out that we weren't the center of the universe. Like It would be that big. So I don't know. Both of them are massive. The first one is scary as hell. The second one's kind of cool. That's the way I look at it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's no, fair. That's a fair way to look at it. I, I don't know. They, I, I just enjoy talking about these things because they really get the imagination out of us as to what in the heck could that possibly be? And our our world and our universe is so strange that we sometimes don't sit back and just think about these things. That could be a lot of fun. It could be a little horrifying sometimes, but you need to think about them.
0: Maybe Elon Musk is right. Get us to Mars. Who cares if it's a big red ball of stupid that we die if we get helmet <laughs> off of? We might be safer there. But who knows? Maybe if they go, the aliens will come and just slap them back to Earth and just go, <laughs> hey, no.
1: Maybe hey, I'll hey. Have to go there.
0: <laughs> Now, speaking of something that seemingly people aren't allowed to do, the Brooklyn Nets apparently don't like defense. They're not allowed to play it. Since we last spoke, the Nets did not have James Harden. We were talking about Kyrie Casey, how they'd work. They made a trade to bring James Harden in from the Rockets. They gave up Karis Levert. They gave up um, Jared Allen. They gave up Torian Prince and Mm Rhodey Kurooks and a ton of picks. Mm -hmm. It's reminiscent of the Boston trade, but uh, James Harden was coming in, apparently just left the fat suit in Houston. Definitely did. Def- definitely did. He wore a fat suit, which is the funniest thing in the history of funny. And came Not in, confirmed, but definitely assumed. 100% did. Looks the part in Brooklyn. He's been, to me, since he's come over there, he's taken over this basketball team. It's his team. He's the leader of the team. He runs the offense. He looks like he's trying on defense sometimes, but there's the problem. He doesn't play defense. Kyrie doesn't play defense. I basically, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and Kevin Durant play defense on this basketball team. Nobody else. Joe Harris gives effort, but he's just a little... He's had, he has two left feet. The Nets don't play defense, and everyone's thinking that they're the best team in the East right now. The Celtics and the Bucs will eat their lunch in a seven-game series and beat them in six if they don't show up this defense. It's a huge problem, Dave.
1: Now... I get that. I do. <laughs> I get that. But it is much easier to shore up a defense than it is to shore up an offense. Because what is most needed in defense? Just a effort. lot of effort and grit. And, no, you know, we've gotten, we've gotten more people on the team now. Well, they're going to come back soon. Norvell Pell is going to play for us soon. He's a big guy. That's, that's gritty. We're going to have on Shumpert. He's a gritty guy. So we're trying to do our little things, but we also have the highest offensive efficiency in the league. Let me contrast
0: this real quick. They just lost to the Wizards after scoring 146 points.
1: I get that. I get that. But you look at every single loss we have, it's against bad teams, which is not good. We just don't lose really the good teams. And that's one of the things that you don't mind seeing because you can always shore these things up. You can always shore those up. It's a long season, my man.
0: So, yeah, it's only seventy-two games this year, though.
1: Yeah, but still, it's seventy-two <laughs> games. <laughs> like, so, I I'm not that worried, really. I, I the defense, yeah, you need to be better. You need to be a lot better. But I I feel like we're going to be fine.
0: Now, another thing that concerns me, and you'll probably be more on the fine. I'm kind of I'm leaning more towards that we're going to be okay, but. Right now, the big three of Harden, Durant, and Kyrie are all playing damn near 35-plus minutes a game right now, if not closer to 38. I think James Harden is averaging 38 minutes a game. You cannot, especially with Kevin Durant coming off of his injuries, Kyrie Irving's injury prone, Steve Nash needs to figure something out. He needs to figure out the bench guys that he wants to put in, trust them, and let them play. Right now, we're seeing guys be overworked too much, I think. And it does scare me that I know these guys love to play and they want to be in. But towards the end of the season in the playoffs, after All-Star break, when it becomes a real grind, the Nets are going to need to be healthy. They really need to find trust. I, you know, I don't believe in Landry Shamet. I think he's streaky. He shoots literally every time he catches the ball. I'm not a fan of that guy. I liked him initially when he was coming in. Now, he's kind of He's on the fence with me. He needs to figure out guys he can trust, Dave. Um, I think Nash will get it together, but it is kind of concerning seeing the high minutes that he's playing and the lack of trust he puts on the bench, guys.
1: Yeah, no, I, I get that. But I, I just think, we'll, like I said before, we'll see if shored up. We'll see them getting less minutes. I mean, honestly, you think about it, that the one person who definitely wants to be out there the most is probably KD because he's been gone for so long even though he's been playing so damn great, even afterwards, like he's going to want to be out there these guys are going to want to be out there and get their chemistry together, get it going. Honestly, I'm waiting for them to really stagger them a lot more, stagger them on the floor with their minutes. And really, I mean, I'm trusting a lot of guys like Bruce Brown because Bruce Brown comes in, he makes an immediate impact off the bench. Great defense. Just a ton of hustle. Uh, you can see Reggie Perry's gotten his confidence up a little bit. So we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of the the bench guys up off the bench soon. I'm assuming because you can't just run these guys to the ground. And Nash knows that. They know that. They're they're gonna be taking either games make a, maybe a game off or just
0: less minutes at one point. Hundred percent. And you know, Reggie, you talked to Reggie Perry. Reggie Perry is basically the only rookie. The only guy without true experience on this whole roster. Yeah, you know Brown's a third-year guy, but Brown has played, so that's a little bit concerning to me. Is that Nash isn't getting more trust in guys that have real experience? You have Tyler Johnson, who doesn't play, who was a starter in Miami for a little bit, and then a rotation guy. Landry Schmidt started for a good Clippers team at a uh, for a high rate. Um, you have guys that. It's weird that he's not trusting these guys who are legitimate bona fide professionals Mm -hmm. who have played in big situations. And I just think he needs to kind of, if we're going to lose games against bad teams, it should be because our bench is trying to figure themselves out. It shouldn't be because you played the big three, 38, 39, 40 minutes and still lost. That to me is a concern. I'm not a fan of that.
1: No, I get that. I completely get that. And let's, let's not forget this is Nash's first year coaching. <laughs> so <laughs> for some reason, we he decided to do this first Jacques year Vaughn coaching. There.
0: He has D'Antoni and Jacques Vaughn there that I, should be able to 100% coach him in the right direction. And I guarantee he's giving both of those guys leeway to kind of tug on him and go, hey, come on. Come yeah. on now. You know what you got to do? Yeah. Pull them out. Yeah. It's okay. It's the rhythm of the game. Bring him out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like I said before, we'll see this more and more in the season. Don't forget. We're still not even that, that like far into the season. Like we're going to be much farther in the season, probably saying better things about them.
0: You know, Dave, I love your optimism. Your optimism is eternal for the nets right now, but Dave, (laughs) Where the hell are you on the Jets? <laughs> We're gonna, let's, let's jump into our next topic, which is Jet-centric, but not in the last one's well, yeah, It's
1: not, not really Jet-centric. It's about the Sean Watson. The yes. fact that the Sean Watson wants out of Houston Texans and the fact that he deserves every single reason to want out of the Houston Texans. I remember when Matthew Stafford decided, hey, I want to be out of Detroit Lions. I said, you know, I remember I said this in our group. I said, you know, Matthew Stafford has been through more franchise pain than Deshaun Watson, but they're both completely understanding and they want out of the organizations that they want out of. Deshaun Watson has not been treated well in Houston, obviously. You got rid of his best target. You promised him things like, hey, we'll include you in this GM search. And you know what? They don't need to, but if you're going to tell your star player, we'll include you in it, and you don't, that's going to rub them the wrong way. So, and the whole whole chronicle of Jack Easterby and the Houston Texans organization <laughs> seems very interesting, but we don't need to go into that. We could have a whole podcast about that. Exactly. That probably plays a role, but I don't know. I'm not going to divulge too much into that. But Deshaun Watson wants out. Many teams would give their soul for Deshaun Watson right now because. He it can very arguably be a top five QB in the league. 100%. And one of the teams that wants him is our jets. Now there's been a ton of rumors going around. One of them was his top two teams. Are there jets or dolphins? I've seen things about the Panthers. I've seen things about the bears. I don't know. The Patriots. I the, put their name the, in the, the Patriots. Exactly. Every team that doesn't have a franchise QB is calling about Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, because right. why wouldn't you? So Deshaun has a no trade clause on his contract. And basically he is going to decide where he wants to go. The Texans can like their offer, but he's going to decide where he wants to go. And and I know the Texans have some Some leverage on Watson. I I mean, it's not the
0: four-year extension, so they have a ton of leverage if they want to be jerks. The,
1: The thing is, yes, you have that leverage in a sense, but if you're going to do that to your franchise QB, who you've already ruined, good, not ruined, but you've already made angry with you, good luck getting another star free agent or another good player to play for you because even J.J. Watt wants out. So it's you really- do not do that. You don't flex muscle here. Don't do it. It, it. it is a trap.
0: It is a trap to do that. It's funny because it looks like the Lions have kind of learned that lesson where they did. They trapped uh, Barry Sanders and didn't let him go to a championship team after 10 years of service. They trapped Calvin Johnson after 10 years of service on that team, not being able did, to do anything. dude. And, but, and it looks like they learned. Matt Stafford said, I want out. And they're like, okay. We're yeah, not going to do this it, to you. It is.
1: It is not a good alone. thing. It is not a good thing to flex leverage on a on a player that has given you good things, given you good years, and has not been a problem. If the, if the player has been a real problem in the locker room, a lot of problems outside, like a lot of things going on. He's been a bro. He, 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 Exactly. But if a player has been a problem everywhere, then you can flex leverage a little more because players aren't going to look at it like, oh, I, I, I can't go there. They're not going to treat me right. They're going to say, well, I'm, I'm not stupid. Stupid. So they'll probably treat me right. If you do that to someone like Deshaun Watson, players aren't going to want to play for you until there's a change, probably in ownership. But and that's the whole thing. Yeah. So you don't flex leverage here. Don't do it. It's wrong. You're going to be bad forever.
0: Now you mentioned his no trade clause. Uh, he's made it openly public that he, at this point, public that he wants that his desire is to be a part of the Jets, which is outrageous that he likes, um, you know, we're going to talk about our new head coach in Robert Sala. Um, There's a lot of things that he said that completely indicate that he wants to be a member of the New York Jets. Brandon Marshall came out today, I saw on Instagram, did a show where he was, uh, you know, recruiting for the Jets, saying, come here, the fans are great, the city's great, if you're good, you put your head down, you go to work, you be you, don't be a problem, they'll always have your back, which is true. And I love Brandon Marshall for that. Mm -hmm. but. Outside of his desires, outside of the no trade clause, which obviously have a factor, but let's kind of play hypotheticals here. That the Houston is just going to send him to his best fit. Who do you think right now? That's quarterback needy is his best fit.
1: So, um, the teams I know are probably going to move on from quarterbacks. I would probably say the Panthers right now. I think the Panthers could be his best fit. Uh, I mean, I, there could be another out there. I'm not really thinking about every single team in the NFL, but I think the Panthers are his best fit. You have CMC there. Their wide receiver and core is pretty damn good. Uh, I think the most thing you might need to shore up is their offensive line, though I'm not entirely sure how good their offensive line is. It might be just fine already. Yep. But, I mean, the Panthers would be a great fit for him. He has so many weapons. I think the only thing that may need a little bit of work is the defense, but – You could do that if you get Deshaun Watson, especially for multiple years. You can just take time to work on your defense. So I think that might be his best fit.
0: See, for whatever reason, for me, I think the Broncos would be a fantastic fit for him. They're going to move on from the block if he's there. You have Cortland Sutton there, who's absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a good line there. You have a decent running game. The defense has been stout. Even though Von Miller's in trouble, it's still a good defense over there. Mm -hmm. I feel like he could do a lot of damage there. And also, the Colts are going to need a quarterback. And the Colts showed this year with an aged Philip Rivers, that's a good football team around. Oh, yeah. Went for it with a very good quarterback. Phil Rivers showed that, you know, he went out kind of on top, you know, he played very well this year. Plug in Sean Watson. Not only would it be interesting because it's in division and that's why it's not going to happen, but you plug him into that team. We're talking about the Colts as Super Bowl contenders, and I'm not even being hyperbole. No, no. So I think those are his best fits. Where does he end up in your eyes? Is he oh God? I, I can't make that. Honestly, I can't
1: make that commitment because I okay. Don't, so we'll I have put no it idea. This way.
0: If you're Joe, <laughs> if you're Joe Douglas, what do you give up for him? What is okay oh. after seeing, especially does the Matt Stafford deal have, play anything into what you plan on offering?
1: I have seen multiple things saying the Matt Stafford deal doesn't play into it as much because of Jared Goff's contract and other such things. And I can understand that completely. Also the fact that Deshaun controls a bunch of this I think also plays into it. So, I mean, if I'm going off Joe Douglas, I honestly have almost no problem giving away three first-rounders. I yeah. really don't. I uh, even if you just don't even touch like the 23 for this year, just give them three for like two for the future and one for our two from this year. If you can somehow do that, if you need to give up a, a defensive personnel, give them John Franklin Myers, give them one of our, give them a good play, a good player, but not a great one. Don't give him Quinnon, don't give him Marcus May, don't do that. But you can still give him good players off of our defense. But honestly, And I I think you do what you need to do to go get Deshaun Watson, because he is a player that changes the the franchise. He is he is a player that does that. It's that simple.
0: Now what if they keep it simple and they're pretty hard line? They want our first first round our two first round picks this year, a future second rounder and Quinnen. Do you do that for Deshaun Watson? Do you give up a nose tackle at a breakout year? Two potentially very good guys that can help your team, a, a core guy for next year to get a Deshaun Watson or something in that manner where they're asking for a sign-and-trade with Marcus May because we need to re-sign Marcus May, but they're asking for a sign-and-trade. Do you give up one of our bona fide defensive guys to get a guy who can maybe make up for what we lack in certain areas?
1: Uh, honestly, for that, no, uh, even though I love Deshaun Watson. But we, we we need to keep our core young guys there, like I said, Quinnen and Marcus. Uh, Quinnen's going to be great. I know Salo really wants to play with him. And the reason why I can say no is because we have the number two, and I'm okay with Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, whoever we picked there. I'm okay with that. I I think we can work just fine with that, especially in a little floor offense. So uh, for me, you just need to keep those guys. And honestly, I really don't think the Texans are going to be that hard line on it. I'm not going to lie to you. I just don't think they are.
0: So you mentioned the Dolphins. um, I'm throwing things around here. You mentioned the Dolphins. One of our very own In the Opinions podcast network, Colton Gesser, had Lee Steinberg on a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And if people don't know, Lee Steinberg is – Basically, if you like the entourage, he's the Ari Gold of agents in sports. He is he that,
1: he's not, he's not. I don't think he's like, I don't think his attitude is like that, though. Uh, you know, Lee seems like a very nice,
0: mild man. <laughs> exactly. But in terms of his clientele, he is Patrick Mahomes agent. He's to Tagovailoa's Viola's agent. He's James Robinson's agent. If you could think of a great player, he's probably their agent or has been. He was Big Ben's agent when he got signed in the draft room. Uh, You know, he has, he has guys, uh, Kareem hunt is his guy. So uh, Lee Steinberg is a legitimate guy and I'm super proud of Colton for getting an interview with him, Mm -hmm. but he asked him this question on personal foul podcast. Basically, what does he make of all the talk of Tua for Deshaun? And Lee Steinberg essentially squashed it on the show. He said, um, one of his quotes, I'm kind of paraphrasing, you could play match game, put all the names in the hat that you want, but at the end of the day, the Dolphins got who they wanted in the draft. They knew he was going to be a little bit of a project, but from what they've seen from him over this past year and what they see from him every single day, they're happy with their pick. Now, things change, but from that, that's about as definitive I've ever heard an agent say on something like this. Usually they're kind of, uh, you know, our guy's good. He's in a good place right now. I really am not going to comment on that, but at least came out right away and said, no, nah, I don't think this is happening to a state put What do you think of that, Dave?
1: Um, see, I, I didn't think Tua had a great rookie season, but that's fine. He's a rookie. Uh, you, you kind of expect that from rookies unless they're incredible. So I, I just don't see many teams going away from someone who they think is their guy, especially after just their rookie year you picked up Tua in order to be your franchise guy. And, I mean, I don't know exactly how much the Dolphins are willing to also give up for Deshaun, because I don't think the Texans are just going to want Tua in the pick. Honestly, I I don't think that they're going to just want that for Deshaun. So how much, as the Dolphins, are you willing to give up? Because you guys are definitely a playoff team. But how long do you want to be a playoff team? For? I, I don't know. It's, it's really tough to get a read on that. I just don't think it'll happen mainly because most of the time you don't see teams move on from someone after their rookie year like that.
0: I agree. Again, shout out Colton Gesser, Personal Foul Podcast, making the Opinions Podcast Network proud. Thank you for everything that you do. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump into our last topic, which kind of melds with this one, our New York football Jets. Again, last time we recorded, Dave, we didn't have a head coach and now we do. Yep. We also want to talk about something interesting, which is we're going to jump off the top with. We kind of mentioned on the side back in the a, a few episodes about how basically Joe Douglas told Manish Mehta to go kick rocks. <laughs> and since then, Manish Mehta has been released from his job at the New York Daily News. Um, and he's kind of in a downward spiral. Uh, out, you know, someone of, of our friends posted up something that he might possibly be involved in some stuff in South Jersey in terms of sexual allegations. I don't know if that's true or not here. If I was going in Manish fashion, I would say it's bona fide true. Manish Mehta is the worst human being on the planet, but we're not going to do that here. We're better than Manish Mehta. But you brought up a fun point that throughout Manish Mehta's time as a beat writer for the New York Jets, he has done only damage he never really was a positive force. He didn't talk about any positives, especially when the Jets went to back to back championships. You would think that they were the most dysfunctional group of people of all time mm-hmm. if you read Manish Rana's writing on mm-hmm. them. What type of damage has he done, uh, pretty permanent or not, to the Jets throughout his time as a beat writer at the New York Daily News?
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's the question that we got to ask because honestly, uh, would uh, would Rex have stayed that that 's one of the main questions would Rex have stayed because think about it if you don 't have that much damage coming from your one of your main news outlets on your team, uh, things might look a lot differently now obviously, this is all the speculation yep uh, depending on how things would have went maybe it would have went just the same way just without as much news but it's just wild to think that he might have been, had a huge effect on what the Jets franchise could have been. And I mean, he was there with Todd Bowles as
0: well. Like who knows what, what more could have happened I'm with Todd. Sure he started right around Mangini's time. So it's been like that long.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure he disparaged Mangini when Mangini was there. So it's yeah. not like he hasn't been doing this now. You know, you bring up Rex, and you know, you have to bring up Mark Sanchez in that. Yeah. One of the people that put immense amounts of pressure on Mark Sanchez with the things that he wrote in terms of how they feel internally about him, Mm -hmm. what he's doing every night in his personal life, and things like that was Manish Mehta. Mm -hmm. He amplified Mark Sanchez's woes. And you have to think that would Mark Sanchez have been a better quarterback mentally? Would he have been able to stick it out longer? Would he not have grown his hair out and looked so awful towards the end of his career at <laughs> the Jets if Manish Mehta wasn't doing what Manish does? It's crazy to think that a beat writer had this much power, but with how negative he was and how many times you've seen the locker room or heard the locker room start having to answer questions about nonsense that this guy wrote, yep. it had to have an impact on the franchise. And How does Woody Johnson allow this to happen as long as he did? Under his tenure is another mystery to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's wild. And I honestly, it's just obviously it's in the past now, but it's just really annoying. And honestly, I think we're really giving, um, really being given a reward for going through it in Robert Sala. I really feel that way. <laughs> I feel like we're, <laughs> gi- we're being given a gift for going through that
0: pain. And Robert Sala, because so I think you like Robert Sala. So, what do you like about I like, the new Jets head coach? He was the former 49ers uh, defensive coordinator. Um, nothing but praise. Nothing. Yes. Praise so far what, from everyone, which happened with Todd Bowles, which definitely gives me some pause. So, but
1: what I like what about mean? him, what I said last time, I'm pretty sure on this podcast, when so I mm-hmm. said the last podcast, was what the Jets need is a CEO type of head coach someone who's not going to try to take control of one side more than the other, someone who's going to mainly manage because that's what you do is a head. You manage a lot because it's a lot to, to handle there yep. and you let your offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators do their job. And Robert Sala looks like he's going to be exactly that type of person. I love his energy. I love the culture he wants to bring into that, into that clubhouse. And I just I love the staff he's getting together. I just feel like it it feels right. He really gives off the energy that it feels right, and that's one thing that you didn't really get from Todd Bowles. Not hating on Todd Bowles, I love Todd Bowles, but he is he is like he's a breadstick of a man. He he doesn't he doesn't show (laughs) much emotion, and uh, for some people that might be great, but that can bring you down when it gets bad. If you don't get much emotion, I mean, I don't know what he was like in the locker room, but at least on the sidelines and to us fans, he wasn't very emotional. Now, we see so we see him showing out as a D coordinator in Tampa Bay, and I love that. Love that. But for us,
0: San Francisco. Excuse me? You said Tampa Bay, San Francisco. No,
1: I was talking about Todd Bowles.
0: Oh, OK. I thought you were talking yeah. about Salah. I was like, no, oh, no. yeah, Oh, no, he's doing great in Tampa. Yeah,
1: exactly. But what I feel like we needed, especially in New York is a guy with energy. Listen, Rex Ryan brought us two AFC championships guy with energy. He was a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, bombastic Robert Sala doesn't seem to be that like bombastic type of guy Mm -hmm. brings energy. He brings the passion, but he's very refined about it. And I feel like that'll work for us. I really do. Now I could be, it could be next season and I could, I could be saying something a little different, but Right now, I feel like we got the right guy and the best coach in in the whole process this offseason.
0: The last time I felt this excited about a coach coming to the Jets, I was 10, and it was Bill Parcells. <laughs> I'm not yeah. even kidding. It was when Bill Parcells, I believe it was 98, is when he came to the Jets. He drafted Keyshawn. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was like 96. I might have been eight, but I did love sports. I already knew football. I was already a Jets fan. Mm-hmm. You weren't born yet, I don't think, when Parcells was the head coach. I was not. I was not. And that is the last time I felt this good about a head coach. I liked Rex because of his defensive stuff, but I was unsure he was ever going to be able to coach a team, like you said. Yeah. I loved Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards had the bombasticness, but another guy who I don't know if he was able to coach a team, a very good defensive coach. He's grown over time. He's doing a great job at Arizona State. Mm -hmm. But at the time when he was a young coach, we had some great wins under him. But I don't know if he was able to coach a team. The only other guy that's like him that was kind of a good manager of men was Eric Mangini. But Mangini was another breadstick who kind of floundered. I love Mm -hmm. your term. I'm using it. (laughs) And, you know, the whole entire the Spygate stuff and everything, it just didn't look good that he was kind of trying to get back at Belichick for whatever reason. He just went down with a bad look and left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I like Sala, like you said, and our cousin, Dan Portaways, who I've had on the Sports Opinions podcast, he's a massive 49ers fan. And when we got him and started picking apart the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers yeah. coaching staff, like half of uh, Kyle Shanahan's staff has come over with Sala. So that says a lot about him, but he basically said, he was like, yeah, thanks for taking our best coach. Like, out, it's like, he didn't, it's not even Shanahan. He's like, thanks for taking our best coach. And our best offensive mind, much appreciated. And it's like, uh, that makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. It's rare that you get to feel good as a Jets fan. And now, you know, uh, going back to our last topic, we're in the running for Deshaun Watson. The fact that he wants to be a Jet is bizarre. We're talking about possibly going out and getting Allen Robinson in free agency. Mm -hmm. And we seem to have a legitimate shot that he's interested as well is bizarre. This has the Brooklyn Nets feel to it, Dave. It's really weird. You know, and it seems to be, you know, what teams can't figure out, get a good GM, get a good coach. People want to play for you. Yep. And it seems like what the jets have figured out and I'm excited for it. I mentioned Alan Robinson, Dave, do you have any other free agents that you would kind of want to see the Jets snag?
1: Mm, well i feel like we're already gonna get richard sherman the way he's been talking about it oh, <laughs> so I, I feel like we're already gonna get him
0: i feel like we're uh, gonna get a veterans discount on him too i think he yeah, would yeah, play for yeah, quite literally if we just kind of offered like him ready, a free man. stay in a hotel every night in the city he'd be like i right, cool i don't need a real salary i mean yeah. <laughs> he's been like, like
1: the best recruiter for us for deshaun right there <laughs> so I, oh, I don't know what's God. happening there yeah but um uh, there's so many free agents out there. Uh, I'm, I'm not certain not a single one.
0: I what about watch. a Juju? Have you kind of soured on Juju with kind of his antics where, you know. It's
1: not not about his antics. I just like Juju. He's not a number one. That's, that's my thing. I just don't think Juju is a number one. So he could help the team 100%. But we need more of like a number one, unless Mims can get to a number one. I think Mims can be a good wide receiver, but I don't know if he's a number one. I know for a fact Allen Robinson's a number one. So that's why I would love him
0: but see, I know a guy like Fuller is available on the outside and he has a lot of familiarity with Watson. If Watson yes. does come, well, but he's yeah, I'm,
1: I'm going, I, I'm, I'm talking about off the Watson train. <laughs> I'm talking about off the Watson train. Cause it's not certain. Well, I've been one to say temper your expectations on Watson. Cause if it doesn't happen, well, we never had him in the first place.
0: <laughs> well, it's also been floated around that teams are calling about Sam Donald. Yes. Do you think we're going to expect him? And I've seen that it's, Possible that he will be moved by the draft. Do you think we're going to move Sam Darnold? And what can the Jets get for Sam Darnold? I don't think he has number one value anymore, but I could definitely see a second or a third coming our way.
1: Yes. um I really do feel like we're going to move on from Sam. I feel like we're going to try to get him to a good place. You know, the thing I said, well, you do good to your players just so they we do. Yeah, yeah. Just so other players know that you're a good organization. And I do feel like we can get a two for him because it seems like a lot of people love him around the nfl i know jets fan a bunch of jets fans have soured on him i know that but it seems like a lot of people love him in the nfl so i do think we can get a two for him if not we can get a three definitely three so either way i feel like you just get the best deal for sam and you send him off somewhere else i I love sam but i just don't feel like things have worked out and I don't know if he can turn it around. I feel like it'd be best for him to get a new, a new scenario, new scenery.
0: I agree. And I'm not mad at Sam. Sam is exactly who I thought he was. Honestly, you know, I predicted this from the gecko, great arm talent, a uh, good head on his shoulders can make every throw. He's just turnover prone. And that's what we've seen from him. You know, that was my criticism of him when he was coming out and the jets were going to draft him as opposed to some other guys. So I'm, um, unfortunately I was correct for once about a quarterback. Um, and it's sad that it was my freaking quarterback, but he's a guy that I feel you know he someone that you can send him to Detroit to go compete with Jared Goff. I think he might beat out Jared Goff in Detroit, or to hey yeah he really might. I feel like he might. He's, I feel like he's a better quarterback than Goff. Yeah. Goff fell in love with Cooper Cup, and Cooper Cup was his butter and bread and margarine and everything, jam, <laughs> jelly. He was Cooper Cup. He was throwing the ball to him twenty times a game. It's bizarre. It's bizarre, <laughs> yeah. it's bizarre. but. Something like that. I mentioned the Broncos. There's a lot of situations. Atlanta is a great situation for him. You can bring him to Atlanta, and he has a Hall of Famer and a few good and Calvin Ridley to throw the ball to. Yep. There's a, there's a lot of teams where Sam Darnold's talent can go and actually be used properly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the future. Like I said, I think I believe who you, or I think Joe Douglas is a stand up guy. I think he's going to try and do right by mm-hmm. both sides. He's going to get a deal that's good for the Jets. But he's also he's not going to he's not going to send them somewhere to die. He's yeah. not going to send well, them to the worst franchise.
1: Yeah, because right. let's be honest. I don't, I don't like I don't know how many Jets fans feel about Jamal Adams, but we gave him a good a good ride. We, we, we sent him to Seattle. We yeah. who, everyone knows Seattle's a playoff team. We sent him to Seattle. We sent him mm-hmm. to Pete Carroll. And we got a great deal for him. So yep. Joe, I think Joe Douglas is going to do right on basically any of his players. It seems like he's going to do that. And I honestly, I've just been more and more trusting of Joe Douglas as long as he's been here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, Joe Douglas has impressed me and the future is looking okay for the Jets. But you know what, Dave? I'm just waiting for the Jets to jet. So we'll find out.
1: Hey, you know,
0: listen, what happens in the future? Things change. Things change. Things change, but some things don't, Dave. And what isn't going to change is we're going to sign off on this podcast and we'll probably see everyone in another two months, Dave. (laughs) Um, Any not. Any last words before we close out on our comeback show after our comeback show after our comeback show?
1: Uh, Last (laughs) words are, I bought a webcam in the middle of this podcast. You might have heard me clicking. So... (laughs) It
0: will be coming
1: and I will be having a webcam in order to do things with and hopefully film podcasts with in a slightly regular occurrence.
0: Possibly start streaming.
1: Possibly. I might be doing that as well because it is a nice
0: webcam. Very nice. Very nice. Anything UFC wise that people need to look out for, David, um, A lot of good fights coming up. Connor lost to Dustin Poirier on the rematch. Poirier looks as bona fide of a challenger as I've ever seen. Um, Anything coming up that we, Frankie is in fight week this week. Frankie Edgar is fighting this weekend. What can we look forward to, Dave?
1: Uh, Edgar's probably going to lose, but I I trust Edgar. So I'm going to say whatever he's going to win. I don't know. There's many good fights. We have three title fights on one card in the Adesanya versus Jan Card we that has Nunez versus oh, I can't remember, I think Megan Anderson, I can't remember her name right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and also Jan versus Sterling on that card, that's going to be great. And then, like the week at and then the month after, we have um, uh, uh, Stipe versus Naganu, and one more that I can't remember for some reason, but also I just want to give out a quick shout out Dustin Poirier is a very good fighter. If you didn't know that. Understand that now. He's always been a very good fighter. He has had like one loss in a m- long time, and that was to Khabib. So understand that. Who, everybody loses too. Exactly. Understand that one and two. I, I just don't don't write off Connor yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it is not a good idea to write off one of the best strikers we've seen. It's not a good idea.
0: On that note, I really hope we get hungry Connor back. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this Connor was too damn nice. We don't need nice Conor McGregor. We need cocky. I'm going to kick your ass because I know I'm better than you, Conor McGregor. Not this. I'm going to knock him out in 60 seconds. And then I'm going to be friendly at the at the way in. No, 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 no. We need the guy that tried to fight everybody at the way in. We need the guy that grabbed his, <laughs> grabbed his junk and looked at him and said, for your wife when I'm done with you. Things like that. That's the Conor we need because Conor needs to, you know, I said it, that Conor, if he doesn't come back in the next fight, Old Connor, where he was a complete jerk that we loved about him, he's finished because he has nothing to fight for. And that's a problem with guys when they reach the top, when they do things that no one's ever done before, when they become the biggest star of a promotion. Connor doesn't need the UFC. The UFC needs Connor. And he knows that.
1: Yeah. Ah, no, he doesn't I get have that.
0: to yeah. care. He doesn't have to win another fight to go down as one of the top three fighters in the history of the sport. So I'm hoping we get angry Connor. And I'm hoping he doesn't fight another guy like Cowboy Cerrone who's going to beat up. I hope he gets a yeah. challenge and he just whoops their ass.
1: I mean, he might he might get RDA. He might get – who knows? Who knows who he might get, honestly. I, I'm really hoping Dustin Poirier gets a title shot next, whether it's against Gaethje Chandler, who I, I think deserves it most is Oliveira, Charles Oliveira, who no one talks about, who's a great fighter. Uh-huh. But whatever. The lightweight division's amazing. Let's shine off before I keep talking about UFC.
0: I'm just calling for a GSP comeback to fight Connor, and then they both go off into the sunset. Done. <laughs> right. There we go. He'll I just got us to the fight. most money on a card ever. He'll come back to fight Khabib. I mean, I think he needs to come back, beat up Connor, and then have the last fight against Khabib. Yeah. That'll be fun. All right. So again, everybody, thank you for listening to Quest of Dose. Thank you for all that have stuck with us. And have been looking and checking weekly for episodes and seeing crickets because I think I'm just going to start figuring out a way to actually upload crickets <laughs> onto our streams because we are inaccurate, but we both have lives. Um, David works. I'm kind of a bum right now, but I'm still doing a lot of things. I'm a, my hands are in a lot of different places. So thank you guys for sticking with us. I hope we still entertain you and we're going to continue to do this because it's fun. But again, everybody, he's David Cuesta. I'm Alex Cuesta. We have a Twitter now, at CuestaDose. So don't worry about our own personal handles because we kind of suck at those. So again, everybody, really appreciate you for listening. We'll have a video hopefully next time. Have a good one, everybody.